greatest football player. Nah, oh, I never seen him play. <laughs> oh, mean cuz. Oh, he plays with his heart. Who cares about fantasy points? <laughs> now it's time for the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast, the official podcast of the Super Friends League. Bad boy good. Bad boy good. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Bautista. Alongside me, as always, the commissioner, Tommy Moe, and everybody's best friend, Dominic Rickard. Week one has come and gone. It left some of us feeling like champions, like we're on top of the world, and others thinking, why do we even play fantasy football? I don't even really like it. I'm sure there are a ton of 0-1 owners right now panicking, adding, dropping, trying to figure out what we're going to do for week two. Well, don't you worry. The two-on-one crew has just what the doctor ordered. We have an awesome show lined up for you today with a supersized helping of free nuggets. And speaking of doctors, we have Dr. Jesse Morse on the commissioner's corner this week to help us navigate through all these week one injuries because there was a ton. So let's not waste any more time and get right into NFL quick hits. NFL quick hits. Crown them right now. My God, the Patriots look nice this week. Defending champs embarrassed the Steelers 33 to three on Sunday night football. Someone needs to remind the Steelers that preseason is over and the regular season started already. Lamar Jackson can play QB or the Dolphins are just really that bad. Would seem more like a college game than an NFL game. The Dolphins were destroyed by the Ravens. They were leading 42 to 10 at halftime. And what makes it worse, in my opinion, is the Dolphins were outscored 17 to 0 in the second half, clearly showing that they gave up. Straight garbage, man. I felt terrible for the Miami fans right now. And Lamar Jackson looked like a stud, going 17 for 20 for 324 yards and five touchdowns. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. The offseason champion Cleveland Browns were thumped on Sunday by a well-coached Titans team. Baker Mayfield was not feeling very dangerous and was running for his life all day. The Browns lost 43-14 to in front of a home crowd that was expecting a way better showing. Dom, what's up with these lopsided scores, man? Are we seeing the effects of teams maybe not playing their starters during the preseason? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I think the preseason's a waste, but it does get the rust off uh, – the Steelers and the Patriots were the perfect example. Uh, the Patriots have a system. They can plug and play guys in. You know what you're getting. They come out. It's a well-oiled machine. I mean, they do have Tom Brady as well. But the Steelers didn't play their guys. They had Juju in you know, a new spot, number one receiver. Vance McDonald has to take up a bigger role. Uh, they didn't play in the preseason. And so that's an extreme example. But the Patriots' defense did look good. My quick hit, I mean, I had three of them, but you talked about two. So – I think the subliminal message that I'll talk about more in Mr. Rickard's neighborhood in my next segment, but it's week one. Don't panic. I think that's what we're all telling ourselves, even if we got to win. But my overreaction, and I want to get your guys' thoughts, and we are, you know, Raiders fans. I mean, undefeated season, Super Bowl after that week one performance. (laughs) 100%. came out, man. They played well. So my quick hit of this week kind of goes along the line with what you're saying, Dominic, the subliminal message of, of don't freak out in week one. I think that's kind of like our theme for this podcast episode, but you know, one thing I just wanted to talk about, you know, because of all the week one freak out and overreaction Monday is I just want to remind listeners about what happens after every football game, but especially in week one teams adjust. 
Okay, so team coaches, film, analytics staff, and they'll break down and grade each player based on their execution of that assignment on every play that was called. So any deficiencies in the play calling, in the scheme, in the target share, the snap share, and the outright lack of use will be fixed essentially by, by scheming plays for those certain players, especially during the scripted 15 to 20 plays each team starts a game with. So for week two, you know, by, by making those adjustments, we should expect and hope that players like Devontae Adams, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, Devontae Freeman, Zach Ertz, and Jared Cook could all be in for a much bigger week two simply by getting them more targets and touches by game planning for those players, especially and adjusting for week two. So don't freak out just because week one wasn't that great. These guys could be coming around as early as week two, but it's still early in the season and t- player teams need time to adjust and gel and get into that midseason form. So again, don't freak out. I think that's a good segue into our uh, next segment. Uh, welcome to Mr. Rickers neighborhood. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Hi, and welcome to another week of Mr. Rickers neighborhood. Today, we're going to take a field trip to the pencil factory to see how erasers on the back of pencils to teach you to calm down and relax. It's week one. Stop hitting the waiver and clearing your whole bench. Stop panicking. Trading Aaron Jones. Most importantly, you're not out of playoffs yet. You still have 13 weeks for your early picks to pull through. It's going to be okay if you listen to the two-on-one crew. All right, so my focus this week in Miss Ricker's neighborhood is the running back position. I'd like to take an analytical look at the percentages of backfield touches for some big-name running backs and see how they panned out. Then I'll ask you and Steve to, to, to chime in when I'm done with my list. So first, I'm going to start with guys that had great performances that we thought they were going to. CMC had 29 out of 30 possible running back touches, a 96.7% usage rate. David Johnson, 24 out of 25 at 96%. Leonard Fournette, 17 out of 18 at 94%. Bell, Le'Veon Bell, 23 out of 25 at 92%. And rounding out the top five, Josh Jacobs, 24 out of 27 touches at 88.9%, turning those fantasy owners that got him in the late third, early fourth, into very happy early on. What are your guys' thoughts on that top list? Yeah, that's crazy that uh, that the top four are all in the 90%, you know, and, and it shows that opportunity is the key to success in fantasy football and then taking that because they'll take that opportunity and there's no guarantee on on what exactly they're going to do the production with that but the fact that they're getting those opportunities are the ones that are touching the ball the vast majority of the time i i think that's that's super key to the to look at especially moving on moving forward when you're grabbing guys off the waiver wire you know you always want to chase opportunity you know and and get those guys that will have the chance to touch the ball a term you like to coin is bell cow so, what, what, yeah, what are your thoughts about those bell cows? Yeah, so I think I think it's hammering home what we preach here all the time when you're selecting players before the draft is volume is king in fantasy football, and you just need opportunities. If you got a guy that's on the field and especially getting the ball as much as these players are, I mean, it, it you're going to get fantasy points. I got a perfect example. I know he's not a running back. He's a receiver. But this guy was probably drafted in the 10th, 14th, maybe not even drafted really. Jamison Crowder, 
He had 14 receptions for only 99 yards. But if you're in a PPR league right there, you're already at what? Uh, 14 plus 9, 23? 23 points, yep. 23 points already just based on volume. you know, And that's what you need to look for uh, when you get players. I know there's some players that you're kind of we kind of sometimes focus on and, you know, like maybe uh, Hollywood Brown or players that are A.J. Brown this year, this week for the Titans. But you got to look at their usage. You know, if they're only on 14 plays for the whole game, the odds of them keeping up those high stats, it's not very good. Okay, so now I have a concern list. There's going to be five guys on here, and then I'll talk about two that I'm not concerned about. Don't freak out. Then I have the list in front of me so you guys can ask me, you guys can ask me, uh, you know, guys that haven't been mentioned here, and then we'll move on from there. So on the concern list, number one, Tariq Cohen, eight touches out of 26 possible for the running back at 30.8%. Todd Gurley, 15 touches out of 27 at 55.6. Sony Michelle, 15 touches out of 38 at 39.5%. Mark Ingram, which was a surprise, 14 touches out of 39 at 35.9%. And last, rounding out it, Kirion Johnson, 18 out of 33 touches, 54%. I'd say out of the two of those, the ones I'm most not worried about would be Tyreek because if you watch the game, he played a lot of slot receiver. I almost wish Yahoo would open up his designation from running back to receiver. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, and so I could play him at receiver because that would be a steal. Uh, and then uh, my next one is Kirion Johnson. Yeah, he uh, Anderson did take some carries from him, and you, you did mention that in the pod last week, Tommy. But uh, I think it's, it's going to go up from there. It was a juicy matchup, though, so you have to be scared. But I, I pumped the brakes on that one. And then Mark Ingram, fantasy owners, are happy. So the two on there that are most scary, Sony Michelle and Todd Gurley. I think uh, Cohen is probably scary for me. And the reason is just what, to the point what you said was that he played a lot of slot receiver, and that's because Anthony Miller was hurt, and that's the Bears' slot receiver. Right. He only played 16 snaps. So we all know that David Montgomery is going to be the guy, the number one guy there. So I could see – Tariq Cohen, once Anthony Miller comes back, possibly just going back to that, you know, gadget guy, maybe, maybe eight to nine touches a game. I don't think there's going to be enough volume in there for him to be, you know, productive, especially when Anthony Miller comes back because he's a good slot receiver. Um, Todd Gurley, I mean, it's kind of scary for me a little bit because, I mean, he definitely, let's, let's be honest, he got poached at least those touchdowns by Brown. Um, he looked explosive. He looked good, but I, he just didn't look, Todd Gurley-esque to me and you know they've been saying this a lot I know um, Mike Tagliere has been saying this on Fantasy Pros that this was going to be the freshest game that he's played the whole year so this is the best he's going to feel the best you know how he's going to be so I don't know Todd Gurley kind of makes me a little bit nervous yeah he should have that's a great point right he had the whole offseason to just rest he should have been at the prime ready to go and I think we all knew they were going to limit his touches a little bit and 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 not feed him so much early on but the stuff that watching the game you know what, what really worried me um and i think it was in the third quarter and there was one run where uh it was a uh it was a run to the right off tackle to the right and <clears throat> and he was wide open in the open field with only the cornerback there uh between him and the end zone i think there was like 20 yard space and instead of like doing anything any athletic sort of movement to juke him run him over anything he just runs right out of bounds yeah. And I think there's, you know, it's plays like that. And there wasn't many, but, but just plays like that. Then looking at uh, at his usage percentage, uh, yeah, it is a little bit worrisome. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They need Todd Gurley. And, and even though Malcolm Brown did steal, did poach those touchdowns from him, 
I mean, I, no one's going to carry the load like Todd. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. And then going to Sony Michelle, that to see Rex Burkhead get that many touches is mostly what surprised me. Frustrating. Very frustrating. You know, and, and I think we all knew James White is going to do what James White does. And he kind of has his role solidified as that pass catcher. And I'm hoping, you know, best case scenario is, is Tariq Cohen is kind of in that similar role. But but Sony not getting not getting the touches, not getting any sort of goal line carries, um, or really making a real contribution is is yeah, it's just worrisome. Because I mean, I don't think anybody saw Rex Burkhead getting that many. I mean, when I was watching the game live, I was like, "What is going on? Is he hurt?" I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. There was I, a I couple have- times I saw like they had a, a close up of his face, and and to be honest, like after a run or something, and he did look kind of just dejected and kind of frustrated. So I don't know, maybe yeah, maybe the doghouse. We've seen it before with other good running backs in, in New England system, where all of a sudden they're just not in the game plan anymore for for whatever reason, you know. I have a different opinion. I think the Patriots are the smartest team in football and they're giving a look that they don't want to give later in the season when they're playing playoff football. So they're going to start Sony off slow, bring him on like they did at the end of the year where he's fresh games, you know, 13, 14, 15, when they need those wins, they're going to turn into a running team. They have all, and then they're going to be a play action pass running team going into the playoffs. So I think don't panic on Sony especially if you can hold him on till later in the year, I think he picks up. That's my, that's my hot take. That's my, well, he's got a juicy matchup this week against the Dolphins. So, I mean, you would think they're going to be in the lead. I mean, they're like 19 point favorites, I think. So, I mean, this should be a Sony Michelle game, but to your point, Dom, maybe they are, maybe they're going to start using it more in the winter months, a lot more high, higher usage when they can't throw the ball as well. Yeah. That kind of makes sense a lot. I, I like that theory. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. I think it's the message, uh, you know, here at Mr. Rickard's neighborhood. Don't freak out. It's week one, but definitely start looking at the waiver wire, start forming your team and uh, get your guys that you know you can depend on. All right, that was good stuff this week from Mr. Rickard's neighborhood. Now let's move on to fantasy football talk. All right, guys, I wanted to start uh, fantasy football talk this week uh, with a big topic that's obviously been going around. Um, It's kind of been... Uh, frustrating for us as a two-on-one crew here. Um, but, Tommy, why don't you start us off talking about Antonio Brown? Well, I think we've all seen it. We've all heard all the multiple reports. Um, but, yeah, I just want to say, you know, when Antonio Brown was going to be a Raider, I think like most Raider Nation and most just any good fan of any good team, you're all in on that guy. You know, if he's going to be here, that's the guy. But – Mad props to Mike Mayock and the rest of the organization for saying enough is enough and just letting this guy go. The best thing about the whole AB saga with Raiders is the Raiders didn't ever act or plan like he was ever actually going to be there. They basically just had a guy that brought a lot of uh, flash and cameras and, and attention to the Raiders show up, run some routes with Derek Carr and, and, but never was actually in the scheme, you know? And, and so he was going to be the icing on the cake, but at the end of the day, like you saw from all the Raiders at the game on Monday, they planned for that team with Tyrell Williams, with Hunter Renfro, with Foster Moreau and Darren Waller, all those guys, you know? So, so yeah, so, you know, we, we were definitely just trying to be optimistic, believe, you know, that this guy was going to be here, 
but he's gone and he's with the Patriots. So we're on to something else and we're all moving on. And now we don't have to deal with the circus and the headache that's following AB to the Patriots. Now Bill Belichick has to answer questions and get all frustrated and cut his press conference short uh, because of all the new reports about AB. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit because we are obviously a fantasy show and that was great stuff, Tommy. Um, and I'll throw this to Dominic now. Um, what is his fantasy value, Dom, you think, for this upcoming week? Obviously, all the reports about the sexual, you know, sexual harassment stuff and and accusations and stuff. Is he worth? Is if he plays this week, are you starting him? Um, what do you think his season outlook in fantasy is this this year? I think week one, only a, a flex spot. If you if you're desperate, you never know how much plays he learned. How many? I mean, it is a B. He could take the ball to that house, but I would I would caution just see what he's going to be week one. I wouldn't put him on. And then throughout the season, it's too early to tell. Um, I have him in one league, and all I know is I'm trying to shop him. So he might not ever play again this year. It's all speculation. I think he's going to play. I think if he does get all this investigation, it won't slow him down this year. So I'd keep him on my team and just wait it out one or two weeks. What do you think, Tommy? I mean, if I think if you're in a redraft league, um, if if you can – carry him on your roster for a few weeks just to see what's going to happen with all these reports because he might get on the commissioner's exemplus. We don't know yet at this point. Uh, I definitely would hang on to him for a little bit. Uh, or if someone's willing to give you an offer for um, a, you yep. know, a wide receiver two, an RB two, a high end, you know, with some upside, maybe could hit that wide receiver one level, then I would take it. Uh, but in dynasty, especially, I, I would hold personally um, again, unless you just get an offer that's too good to pass up, but definitely don't sell him low we never know what's going to happen. Um, if all this actually blows over, the Patriots have already offered. Um, I don't think it's anything, anything official, but offered him, you know, somewhat of an extension for you for next year. So they're already planning to bring him back uh, if they have him this year, if not. And I think you're right, Dom, especially with the Patriots and Tom Brady, everything with that system and Tom Brady and his receivers is all about the rapport, you know, with the system. And, and you know, Josh Gordon, yeah, he had some other off-field issues, but he kind of wasn't really ready to play last year, you know. And so that's why we've already seen Josh Gordon doing well in this first game uh, because he's had that whole offseason to, to, to build that rapport and that trust with Tom Brady. So even if you do have him, I totally agree with you, Dom. Even if he does play this week um, or, or next week, you still might just want to see a week or two what – how he's actually going to be used in the game plan. All right, good stuff, guys. Now let's move on to uh, – now let's put that behind us now. Let's uh, give it a break because I'm sure people have been hearing about AB all week, but we just wanted to touch on it a little bit because we have been speaking about him a lot lately on the podcast. So um, another topic I wanted to talk to you guys about in fantasy and try to relate it to uh, to the you know the the, uh, the studs this, this week in fantasy is offensive line play. I think we saw a lot of the good teams that had good um, – fantasy value this this uh, week uh, had really good offensive line play you know and you know two teams that maybe didn't have very good offensive play that affected them were the Browns you know I think the Browns mm-hmm. offensive line played terrible and that affected Nick Chubb it affected Odell Beckham um, Njoku did okay but that's because Baker was running for his life was trying to throw a little bit you know throwing as fast as he could so but it definitely affected Baker so I want to you know touch on that a little bit with you guys on how what you guys thought about that this week yeah I'll jump in um I watched a lot of the Houston Texans game because I got Deshaun Watson as my man. And uh, so I'll talk about Tunsil, you know, getting them over from the Dolphins. He looked a little rusty, like he wasn't comfortable with all the offense, but the guy's a freak of nature and he's a beast. 
I think he went from left tackle to right tackle, which or vice versa, which was a little off for him as well. But I, Deshaun Watson did get sacked a lot, and uh, I think they still need to gel. But I, I think their their offensive line is going to improve throughout the, the season, and I think Duke Johnson and um, Carlos Hyde. Thank you, Carlos Hyde are both viable options going down the road. Yeah, I think it's I think a lot of that sacks and stuff on Deshaun too is him holding the ball trying to extend the play. I don't necessarily blame the offensive line all the time for him, but yeah, that Larry Larry uh Larry Motunsil, uh addition is gonna definitely help them out. Yeah, and and another uh, offensive line and and that did really well. Um and, and that also translated to fancy success for the skill positions, uh, I thought was the Colts this week. And I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but there was a video going around of Quentin Nelson just absolutely yeah. destroying. I don't know who that defense end was, but like destroying that defense end. And was uh, Melvin, Melvin, Melvin Ingram? Melvin Ingram, yeah. Oh, geez. So even yeah. better. You know, like yeah. it, it old guy. Yeah, you know, and, and a beast in his own right. So, uh, I, you know, we saw Marlon Mack have a good day. We saw T.Y. Hilton have a good day, uh, which was really good, you know, to see for the Colts because I think everyone was really low after the whole Andrew Luck thing. Um, but another offensive line that played phenomenal, in my opinion, um, was the Oakland Raiders offensive line. They absolutely yeah. shut down that defensive zero line. Zero hits. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr was clean all night. Yeah. And so uh, that's the, definitely going to be a key to their success and was an issue last year. But – like we keep seeing over and over and over, especially early on, these teams that are doing well have a good offensive line. And we always talk about the Cowboys offensive line and Zeke Elliott, right. you know, and and the Rams as well, too. And that's why Todd Gurley was able to do what he's been able to do the last few years. So, yeah, it's absolutely key to fantasy success. All right. So let's uh, why don't we just roll in right to fantasy studs for week one? Hey, stud. All right, Tommy, why don't you start us off this week? All right, so I think you know a lot of people saw it. We already kind of touched on it, and other podcasts are going to be talking about Lamar Jackson with his huge day, 324 passing yards and five touchdowns. But right behind him, number two on that list to be totally overlooked by a lot of people this week was Dak Prescott. And, and the guy looked phenomenal, 405 yards for four touchdowns. And, and I think the interesting stat for both Lamar Jackson and Dak, Dak Prescott is that they only rush for three and four times each, you know? So quarterbacks that a lot of people say like can be a quarterback one because they also get all these rushing yards just show that they are, can sit there and throw the rock too and, and pass it downfield and, and take care of the ball without, you know, with getting zero interception. So those guys had a huge day. I already mentioned T.Y. Hilton a little bit, um, but again, it was just good to see him get those two touchdowns. And then, yeah, I think Steve, you already talked about Christian McCaffrey just going absolutely nuts. Uh, with over 200 all-purpose yards. And, yeah, I, th- I think this guy's going to be hey, great. He's the real deal. Hey, Tommy, to circle back to Dak, I think the most impressive thing was he spread it out, too. It wasn't just mm-hmm. you know, Amari. It was Amari Gallup. Witten got in it a little bit. Um, uh, Cobb looked great again. Looked oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, he looked Cobb good. looked good. I mean, so that was the most impressive thing. Is like you know, it wasn't just zoning in on one guy, and they were just beating right. one corner. It was all over the place. You, yeah. And you know what I like about Dak too, man, is that you know this is a perfect example of like you know a guy that could have totally been holding out. Yeah, play for guys the professional. He played for his contract. He believes in himself, and and I think that really uh, you know rubs off on his team, and they want to play even harder for him. And I think he's doing it the right way. And man, I mean, he's showing it. So if he keeps playing like this, they're gonna have to pay him. You know, top dollar. I'll give you my studs this week since Tommy just uh, stole mine right there. Um, I got another one. Um, I'm going to give it to Case Keenum, man. Another guy that 
just a true professional. Um, he went into Philadelphia uh, against a good defense, you know, good defensive line, good defensive backs. Uh, it was 30 for 44 for 380 yards, passing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I think, I don't think anybody uh, saw that coming. And if it wasn't for their, you know, team not having as good a talent as the Eagles, I think they might've been able to take that game. But Sean Jackson is, is, is the real deal, man. Oh, they love, they really love Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia, don't they? Oh yeah. Case is someone, you know, it's funny you picked the, him as your stud. Cause I think I had him as my dud for last week and uh, it was, it was totally, yeah, I was, you know, it was just totally hating on him, but, but you're right. He's a total professional. He's done it at how many different teams and, you know, it was great for Minnesota. So and my stud this week, um, I think everyone expects him to have a good game. I don't think everyone expects him to have this game. Uh, Austin Eckler, his stat line, he had 58 yards rushing a rush TD six receptions for 96 yards and two reception TDs. Melvin wow. Gordon, who? Yeah. Man, so, that's crazy. So what, what <laughs> happens now? I mean, do they just keep rolling with Eckler and Jackson and, and say screw I, it I, with Gordon? I, well, I think they're going to – I mean, they already said they're not going to pay him. Um, my only concern about Eckler is if he's going to be able to hold up because he's just not as a big a player. But, you know, um, yeah, Melvin, who? I mean, that I think that clearly – they have a really good system there in, in uh, Los Angeles, and I think that they uh, um, they just know how to use the running back. And I think Philip Rivers loves the dump off passes, and Eckler can catch the ball really well, and he has a really good running ability. So good for him, man. I'll just go straight into my dud. <laughs> you got the dud. Uh, my dud this week is Devonte Freeman. Eight rushes, nineteen yards, three yeah. catches for twelve yards against that Minnesota defense. I think that game plan for Minnesota was to shut him down. And boy, did they ever. But you would think he would get a couple more screen passes later in the game, but he, he got nothing in this game. I mean, they shut him down across the board. Matt yeah, Ryan, bad, Matt Ryan was doing bad. nothing until the very, right. very end. I mean, besides garbage those, time. Our, yeah, for for Julio, and for Julio and Calvin Ridley, too. So luckily they yeah. caught those TDs. Hooper did all right, right? Steve, yeah. 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 But he had a lot of like dump off passes. Was, and you know, we're in a full PPR league. So. I think he had uh, 14 points or something like that, uh, but he did get a he touchdown zero, too. He had huge. zero points in the first half. I know that. Yeah, yeah, it was all it was all garbage time. So, yeah, no, it was scary man. Um, that defense for Minnesota. You guys have to be careful when you guys are picking your lineups, um, especially for those flex players. If they're playing a defense like the Minnesota Vikings, you may want to go a different route. I'll go straight into my duds this week. I'm going to go with uh, another quarterback. Baker Mayfield. And the reason being is this guy talks so much on the offseason. He even got me on the hype train. I ended up drafting him in like the eighth round. Um, and he went 25 for 38 for 284 yards, uh, 285 yards, excuse me, one touchdown, but three interceptions. Um, and I know that his offensive line didn't play well. Um, but you know what? There's a lot of quarterbacks that don't have a great offensive lines and they figure out a way if, if they can do it. So a very disappointing week for him, man. He got, he took some lumps in that one too. Yeah. The Titans defense looked nice. Real yeah, nice. they did. <clears throat> so for my dad, I have another quarterback, uh, Jameis Winston. And, you know, I feel like just, it's Jameis being Jameis all over again. But all offseason, everyone was hyping him up. Everyone was expecting much better things with this Bruce Arians offense. And and so I, I guess, you know, I have another guy for my dad. But I want to ask you guys, like, is this is his production from week one San Francisco's defense being much better than a lot of people thought because their their secondary shut them down all over the board. Or is this a case of a new system, new year issue in week one where they're just not dialed in yet? 
uh, you know, Bruce Arians and, and, and James aren't, you know, fully on the same page with everything. And, and like I was kind of talking about earlier, like maybe it gets a little bit better in week two. I think you answered the question, man, with the, for me, with the latter, uh, basically, I think it's the, uh, the new system that definitely affects him. Um, I think that, um, you know, against a defense that they've been together for a couple of years and the San Francisco 49ers defense, I mean, they've been drafting number one, number two, number three for the last four or five years. So they got yeah. a lot of good defensive players on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, to your, to, and you also pointed out, you know, the rapport between him and uh, Bruce Arians. And yeah, it's going to, it's going to take a while for them to figure out, Hey, what do you like? What do you don't like? Cause they, like you said, we talked about earlier, no one really plays in the preseason anymore. So this is almost like a preseason game. Yeah. I'm not ready to give up on Jameis yet. Uh, but it is concerning that he's still turned over the ball so many times. And I, I don't, I think that that's going to start getting a little more pressure, a little bit more um, in his head. And that could affect him a little bit, but still not ready to drop him yet. Yeah. And he had, you know, like 36 attempts uh, for only 20 completions and only 194 yards with those three interceptions. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, they're, they're giving him the opportunity and the volume and he's still not producing. So, uh, yeah. I have to dial it back a little bit, maybe. I, I, I agree with both of you, but. At what point, I mean, if it, you know, six games, eight, that's the thing about Jameis. He shows, he bl- flashes brilliance when he's zoned in and he has a game. He has like 450 yards passing, four TDs, maybe one interception, but he, he's moving the ball. And then he has games like this. So at what point, you know, is it a whole season with Bruce Arians? Is it into next season where he, he is, is so inconsistent? It's, I think it's a mental thing for him. Is he, smart enough to not make these mental mistakes. And and that's the question and concern with him. But you know his arm talent's there. You know his receiving core and all his fantasy players are there. It's just his his mentality, and that's frustrating part about him. I think it gets this year, really. I think this is a trial run, and I think he knows it. And, and if he doesn't do well this year, he might. he's probably going to be a backup on another team. I mean, that's what I think. All right, guys, before we uh, hear about our waiver players to pick up and trade targets for week two, let's quickly hear from our sponsor. All right, guys, now it's time for some uh, that supersized helping of free nuggets I was telling you guys about. Let's go to waiver wire players uh, still available and some trade targets for week two. Tommy, start us off this week, Ben. So one player that's available in a ton of leagues, I really want to talk about him on this podcast because he's Dominic's favorite player to pick up is Matthew Stafford. And so he's owned in only 32% of Yahoo leagues and last week put up a whopping 37 points. So Matthew Stafford's still out there. If you're in a super flex league, he might not still be out there. But if you're, if you had Jameis Winston, you got no one else, or uh, you know you're just not happy with who you got, you might want to think about picking up Matthew Stafford because it was looking pretty nice with T.J. Hawkinson last week. Free nuggets. Um, another guy I got that is definitely worth watching for week two is Mecole Hardman uh, from the Chiefs. So he's the rookie Cheetah 2.0 coming out of Georgia and is only 29% owned in, in Yahoo leagues. He only had one target last week, but he should be in for a much larger workload now that Tyreek is out about six to eight weeks. So definitely Sammy Watkins is going to be the man, but we could see a big uptick in Mecole Hardman's targets for week two. Free nuggets. Uh, since you said Mecole Hardman at receiver, I'm going to keep uh, that track. Uh, A.J. Brown for the tight Tennessee Titans, rookie burner for them. He had, what, 13 fantasy points in our PPR league, and he looked like uh, Mariota and him had some connection. He's only owned in about 20% of Yahoo leagues right now. Uh, so I think he's, you know, hopefully he's the next A Brown. Another guy gets kicked out of the league. But uh, the other guy I like. <laughs> Free nuggets. The other guy I like a lot 
uh, as a running back. Uh, I think he's going to win the job out, and I know it's a scary pickup, but I guess he's a USC guy, but Ronald Jones is at Tampa Bay. Nice. I, he, he had some burst runs, and he looked really good. He's just inconsistent. Mm-hmm. But if he gets on the same page, that's that's my guy, and he's only earned about 38% of Yahoo right now. Free nuggets. That's a good one, man. I got this week my uh, big wave wire pickup. Um, hopefully still available. He's about 37% owned right now in Yahoo Leagues is Giovanni Bernard uh, with Joe Mixon having an ankle sprain. He, they did do an MRI. It was negative. So, um, But it's looking like he probably will not play. Um, but with, last year when Johnny, Giovanni Bernard was a, a running back for them in two weeks, he was a top five running back in fantasy. Um, just destroyed it. So that's a really good pickup. Uh, if he's still available, definitely pick him up and put him in your starting line for week two. Free nuggets. Hey, Steve, quick question, because I did pick him up in our main league. Do I start him in the flex over Gallup? Uh, I would say yes, especially if uh, if Joe Mixon doesn't play. It's an absolute yes, because I think he's a uh, RB2 uh, with upside um, if you can uh, what, what if you, you have him this week. If Joe Mixon doesn't play. What do you think about San Francisco's defense, though? Well, I think San Francisco defense has a good defense, but I just think the volume, like we we're talking about earlier, you know, I, I don't think they have anybody really behind Giovanni Bernard. So I think he's going to be a, thir- a three down back. You know, they'll use him to run the ball and they'll also use him in the passing game. So um, just the amount of volume he's going to get, I think it's going to, you know, get pr- good production. And if Zach Taylor keeps up this amount of passing uh, with the yeah. Cincinnati offense that we saw last week, it's really going to open things up. Yeah, it, it was crazy to see uh, Andy Dalton pass that many times and to see the so, ball really get spread. So who do you guys have for uh, uh, maybe avoiding this week in week two, maybe with a tough matchup? Uh, I'll go first, Tommy. Um, I got two guys on my on my bench. Court and Sutton, I think, had a great performance last week against the Raiders. I think he was the shining star on that Denver team. And then I also have Phillip Lindsay. I'm keeping both of them on my bench because they're playing Chicago, and that D just looked nasty. So not taking a chance on either of those guys this week. Yeah, that's a defense to avoid all year until further notice. But along the same lines, I mean, is is this a week, another week to maybe fade Aaron Jones going against Minnesota, who had a very good week last week with their defense? They gave up 70, 73 rushing yards to Atlanta last week. Tommy, to answer yeah. your question, in the league that I have Aaron Jones, I have him on the bench right now for Matt Breda instead. Oh, wow. Because of that matchup. Yeah, I think you know, I think another Packer you want to fade on a little bit, and it's it's so hard because he was your number one pick, so you have to play him. But don't expect big things. Is Devonte Adams uh, this week with Green Bay because Xavier Rhodes completely shut down Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones, um, what only had he had six targets, six catches for on eleven targets for thirty one yards when going against Xavier Rhodes, and the only two catches he had in the touchdown was against Mark Fields. Uh, so the other other side, uh, a cornerback. So whenever he's getting shattered over Rhodes, I mean, just shut him down. So I think we have to expect. I'm definitely fading a Devontae Adams, but it's going to be hard to sit him, obviously, because he's probably more than likely your first pick. Yeah, unless somehow you had like Jamison Crowder or right someone late that you picked up that's just having an amazing you know start to the week. Um, it's going to be very hard to sit Devontae Adams. Yeah. You know, so I just want to also say, like for for DFS especially, uh, I'm I'm rolling with Lamar Jackson for two weeks in a row as the DFS start of the week. I mean, right now he's I think like the tenth highest uh, salary player on, on most of the fancy uh, daily fancy sites, um, and so he's still a pretty good value for for the amount of production that he's going to put out if he's going to be the top quarterback again, you know, and still is only the tenth 
most expensive quarterback out there. Um, definitely, you know, rolling with LJ again. I think it's a great matchup against Arizona. That defense is not that good. And and it's going to be cool to see uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray kind of sling it. And so I think he's going to have another big game, um, maybe a little bit more rushing yards this game. But, but yes, yeah, I'm still firing up LJ for week two. Free nuggets. Also, I like for DFS too, uh, Josh Allen against the Giants. You know, you get that run ability. Um, I know they're not scripted runs, but he can run the ball, and the guy just can sling the rock, and he looked pretty good. I know he had a couple – he started a little bit slow against the Jets, but um, he ended up finishing the game really well, uh, making a little connection with John Brown too. So I really like John Brown and and Josh Allen against the Giants in DFS this week. Free nuggets. All right, Tommy, do we have any Twitter questions or voicemails this week? Yeah, we got a few Twitter questions that came in. Uh, a couple of really good ones that I want to touch on. Um, so, so Chris Miles uh, at Chris Miles ten seventeen uh, asked, uh, "Does he start Devin Singletary against New York Giants, or very, very appropriate, or Aaron Jones versus Minnesota full PPR? Ooh, full PPR. That's a good one, man." Yeah, because I mean, Devin Singletary really isn't—he's not the starter yet, but he's yeah. pretty good. I mean, I think you have to lean Aaron Jones for me, um, and I—I I know um, I think they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more, um, and also they're at home. That's going to help them a little bit. It's a, you know, so I, I think uh, Aaron Jones for me. I think uh, this is a tough one. I think Singletary because I'm a believer in that Minnesota defense and. Aaron Jones didn't do anything last week and the defense is similar in a lot of ways. So why not go Singletary? I think he only touched the ball like eight times, but he had like 60 yards to do the dude's a beast. I think, like you said, Tommy, they're going to adjust their game plan, find out where their strengths are and, and give them the rock more. Right on. Yeah. That's Break the uh, tiebreaker. Tommy, what do you got? Uh, I, I love Aaron Jones. So I don't know. I think uh, even though I, I talked about him as a potential void for this week. And as much as I love Singletary, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, if you can risk it, uh, and you know, and, and no risk, no reward, no risk it, no biscuit. I don't know. Maybe just go Singletary. It's a better matchup against the Giants. Uh, yep. Ezekiel uh, didn't have a huge day, but he still got a lot of yards and he still moved the ball. And so I think um, – yeah, I, I don't see uh, the I don't see New York being up by a ton where they need to start throwing the ball a lot, right? Um, you know, so I so I think that there might be a lot of rushing uh, in this game. So yeah, I'm gonna go Singletary. Free nuggets. All right, so another one we have is from Scott at here for the Raiders. So we had to answer his question. So he he has Eckler and he's looking to make a trade to to capitalize on on this value that Eckler has right now. And he definitely needs some uh, some depth. So all these trades he, he's been offered. So he really just has to pick one. Um, so it's either Eckler for Ty Ty Hilton, uh, Eckler for Diggs, or Eckler and McDonald Vance McDonald tight end for Ty Hilton and TJ Hawkinson. What do you guys think? I think you keep Eckler right now, man. I think that you can definitely use him for the next at least month. And and then at that point, hopefully he's still playing well. Then you consider start considering trading him. Um, hopefully by then he's had a couple good games, more ga- uh, you know more quality starts. And because by that time, then you're starting to think of maybe Melvin coming back. Um, and then you know remember James Conner last year. Everybody thought Le- Le'Veon was going to come back. Le'Veon was going to come back. 
So um, I think you keep them right now. But if I ha- if I was forced to, to do a trade, I'd probably go with the T.Y. Hilton um, and Hawkinson trade because Hawkinson looked really good. Yeah. Granted, he had a, an extra 10 minutes to play, so basically almost five quarters. Um, but he looked really solid for a rookie tight end. I was very, very impressed with him. Yeah, what yeah, do you think, Dom? When you originally said uh, trade to get more depth, I thought you know he was going to get like a wide receiver two, like a I don't know Terrell Williams type guy, even though yeah the Raiders the wide receiver one, and then like a Tariq Cohen or you know Lindsey to you know get a fringe RB two RB one on both ends. But those three, like, I, I actually agree with Steve. I'd hold on to Eckler probably two yeah. three more weeks. Hope probably get a better a guy. Couple more games, yeah. Maybe you can turn yeah. him into. Somebody receiver one legit yeah so that'd be my advice and then i do agree if you're going to take a trade take the last one even though i think vance mcdonald is a little undervalued uh and you know he hawkinson's a rookie but uh i like both hawkinson and ty better than what you're giving up and my guess is you know and i didn't ask for for his uh the rest of his roster but i you know my guess if he's willing to give up eckler for uh, a receiver basically you know he's not getting a running back back in any of these trades uh that he's okay at running back you know and and and, uh needs a little bit you know a couple better pieces at the at the receiver position but um but yeah i think that i think that's a great um that's a great point to hold you know at least for a, a couple weeks uh, and get some more value out of him. And, and yeah, hopefully it rises a little bit too. So you're getting a little bit better player for him. So that's it for Twitter. All right, guys. Now it's time for the segment that you've been waiting for. Commissioner's Corner with Tommy Mo. The Commissioner's Corner. What's up, everyone? And welcome to the special edition of the Commissioner's Corner. With all the week one injuries that have happened, we wanted to bring a special guest on the show to help us go through all of these injuries. So to give us a breakdown of the major injuries is Dr. Jesse Morse from the Fantasy Doctors podcast and website. What's up, Dr. Morse? Welcome to the two-on-one. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I really appreciate seeing and uh, and getting updates uh, from your Twitter feed on, on what's been going on and, and injuries that are discussed you know, you make it really easy for people to understand what you're talking about, what the injury is, and then most importantly, what the fantasy implications of those injuries are. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming on the show today. My pleasure. I uh, try to keep everybody uh, in tune with what's going on. I mean, analyzing injuries is challenging if you're not uh, medically, you know, and even if you are, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, you know. Yeah, and I think especially on Twitter, a lot of people try to, you know, be Twitter doctors and form their own diagnosis. So it's nice to hear it from someone that's actually a trained physician. Yeah, I mean, I do this in my day. I'm in uh, orthopedics. I did my sports medicine uh, fellowship and and everything. So, I mean, I see a lot of these injuries. I see professional athletes intermittently. So I'm just applying what I see and what I hear to what we, what I know and then correlating it to my fantasy understanding and kind of relaying it in terms of how it's going to impact the team, how does it impact the, uh, the depth chart? You know, is this guy really a hundred percent or is it, is he really only 70% and, yeah. and a high risk for re-injury, that type of stuff. Yeah. And some of that information is real key to, to managing the risk, right. For, for setting fantasy lineups. Uh, it's all about managing risk on players. And especially in week one, uh, when, when all you have to go on is speculation, right. And then you have to see what's going to happen. But um, with certain players, if they are more of an injury risk, you know, it, when you want to start a safer player 
you know, during week one, you know, maybe that injury risk player, you should definitely stay away from or, or, you know, leave on the bench for now. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's certain guys that uh, are red flags. There's certain guys that uh, are known to play injured and they just, they just stick it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and week one is challenging as we get the next, uh, you know, couple of weeks, we'll start to see injuries impact and we'll have to make some tough decisions. And uh, hopefully that's where uh, we kind of come in and, and guide you. And I feel like we're really the most accessible and also the most ones that correlate the medicine with the fantasy aspect of it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, there's definitely a few people out there um, that do tweet during during games or provide updates. But it's just it's it's a different it's a different level quality uh, of of content that you're providing that that's so geared to the fantasy football community. So um, so with that, you know, let's kind of jump into players right now and and talk about some of the more major injuries uh, and their fantasy implications. Uh, so the first one that comes to mind is just you know two of the guys that got put on injury reserve today. First one being Nick Foles quarterback for Jacksonville so he's he's, he pretty much we're not going to see him for the rest of the year I think he'll probably be back in week 10 or 11 okay uh if you if you remember this is what Aaron Rodgers had a couple years ago when he missed like most of the season the good news is that this is not uh Foles' throwing shoulder so uh we don't really have to uh, worry about it impacting his throwing the problem is you can't um play with a fractured clavicle mm-hmm. um, and we'll, we'll talk about Tyreek and, and he um, is kind of along the same line, similar area, different uh, ramifications. So it's just too risky to play very painful, unstable. Um, so you have to, uh, you know, either put him up for six to eight weeks or s- surgery. And a lot of these guys will do surgery to reinforce it, put some titanium plates in there, but um, realistically he's going to be out for six weeks, sometimes eight weeks. So, um, it, it's hard to hold that roster spot. So you put him on yeah. IR. Minshew looked fantastic. They traded for uh, backup today from the Steelers. So uh, we'll kind of see what comes of it. Yeah. Do you think uh, Gardner Minshew is worth uh, at least a pickup in the, uh, you know, single quarterback redraft league? No. I mean, uh, you're getting Dak late. I mean, mm-hmm. you shouldn't really ever. I mean, the only time I think you'd consider him is either a, a, a two quarterback league, like a, like a super flex. Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, something like a dynasty league, and he probably would have already been tamed by then. Right. Uh, but at this point, I, I, I don't think uh, that the offense has that much of a passing upside to consider him. There's a lot of solid quarterbacks that are uh, probably still on the wire. And, and when, you know, when we start getting into the bye weeks, then maybe you, you analyze his matchup right now. No. Yeah, and there's a lot of buzz about uh, today on Twitter about the Jacksonville receivers, especially uh, DJ Chark, um, and even Conley getting a bump in the, in their fantasy stock. But one person I wasn't really seeing too much about was uh, Leonard Fournette, you know. And so one would think, without you know, with a loss of a, a quarterback or a major you know receiver, that the running back uh, typically gets a boost. Do you see that happening for Fournette? I mean, he's already getting a massive volume share as long as he stays healthy, which is one of my biggest issues with him. Um, he's gonna he's he's the bell cow there. I mean, he I think he got six of seven targets in the backfield. He got uh, well over eighty percent of the rushing attempts. Like uh, they didn't, it wasn't a great great game script for them. But um, he 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 did okay. He should continue to be priced up in, in, in DFS, so that will probably impact his his ownership. But uh, he's definitely got the percentage. I, I I don't know who they're playing next week, but um, my suspicion is uh, he will continue to. Um, be the man. Yeah. 
Uh, so, so moving yeah. into to a little bit slightly less severe uh, injuries, uh, ones that are, are making a huge fantasy impact already. You know, the first one is Darius Geis for, for Washington. And so no official report on how long he's going to be out, but definitely, um, you know, give us an update, I guess, on, on, on the fact that it's his non-reconstructed knee. So uh, he's dealing with a meniscal tear in the opposite knee. Um, this usually happens as a result of compensation from the surgically repaired knee not being 100% yet. Remember, he had four total surgeries on that ACL-sided knee, uh, secondary to infections, which indirectly extended his rehab, um, and he's not even a full year out yet. These guys take 9 to 12 months. Um, indirectly, he had another setback a couple months ago with a mm-hmm. hamstring, and then he had um, – a meniscal injury on this side. Traditionally, if if you, you hear these, think uh, Sonny Michelle last year, Chris Carson had one in the offseason that he had scoped out. DK Metcalf had it a couple weeks ago. Very common injury. Um, hard to uh, function if you're a high-level athlete. Uh, you can um, play, but it's just they don't feel very good. Um, they, they just are not very happy with it. Uh, so, so usually they end up getting scoped out. They, they remove some of that flying debris um, and let it calm down for a couple weeks, and then they'll try to be back. So rule of thumb, probably three weeks um, is probably a good case scenario. Okay. Um, but now he's got two bad knees, um, probably not someone I really want to be interested in. Um, McLaurin looks legit. Um, Adrian Peterson will be who he always is. Um, and, and, you know, I really don't want anything to do with, um, Jordan Reed, given his mm-hmm. concussion history and whatnot. So I really don't want much to do with anything on this offense. Yeah. And it just seemed like something was not right when, when we saw guys get his carries yesterday and, and he still was involved in the passing game a little bit. And, and so, yeah, I guess I'm not super surprised that, um, that he was nursing, nursing an opposite knee injury. But again, love seeing McLaurin do his thing yesterday. Saw you know, and seeing Case you know sling it a bit. So just we'll have to see how it goes. And and yeah, maybe just avoiding that backfield all all around is 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 the best way to go. And it almost seems like Washington is cursed with the amount of injuries and the type of injuries they have had the last couple of years. Um, so so let's pivot from them and, and talk to talk about a team that's a, and saw one of their receivers have a great breakout uh, week one. Uh, but that's the injury to Tyreek Hill and. If it, you know, listeners out there, if you missed Dr. Morse's uh, breakdown of uh, the Tyreek Hill injury on YouTube, you definitely need to go check it out. We retweeted it on our on our podcast uh, Twitter handle, and and it was great. So if uh, yeah, if you can kind of give us like a, a r- little bit of a, a bridge version of that full breakdown. Yeah, so this is a very serious injury. We do not see these much in sports, uh, thankfully. Um, uh, this is, is basically what happens is you have a clavicle or collarbone that gets, um, displaced and, 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 and instead of being kind of parallel or connected to the, the sternum, the breastbone, it actually pops behind it. Uh, the problem with popping behind it, it essentially dislocates going behind it, which is not very common, but it can happen. Um, it, it, it's compressing on several several vital uh, structures right there, including um, the. Uh, I mean, you have your your windpipe. You have uh, several major blood vessels that are taking blood to your heart, to your brain. I mean, you're talking about life threatening potential here. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is that he did not suffer a fracture. 
uh, as far as we know. So he did not lacerate anything. He was able to undergo a reduction and basically put it back in place uh, without needing surgery. Um, this is this is an, one of the, the few true orthopedic uh, medical emergencies. And he um, did not need uh, a, a surgery for that, which is good. Um, this, however, is very painful. And, and this is going to take at least a good four, maybe closer to six weeks to even sniff like healing, legit healing. Wow. I mean, and the fact that he didn't have any hardware in there makes it even more prone to popping out because the the, the ligaments that are holding that bone are not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be torn. They're... Um, they're, he's expected to take hits and, 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 and he could pop it out again. I mean, that's part of the issue. So I wouldn't honestly not be surprised if he misses at least a month. Uh, six weeks would be re- even more of a, a kind of a, a better possibility. I've talked with a couple of different sports medicine doctors like myself, um, and we all kind of came with the same assumption. It's, it's kind of a six weeks is a good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. And, and he, I, wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they put him on IR. Um, and, and, and just, you know, let them actually truly heal. They just paid this guy a lot of money. You right. don't want to you know threaten his career and his life for that, you know? Right. Right. So this might be a yeah, lingering so that, issue, a lingering injury too, right? <laughs> like even after he comes back, it might be something that he's dealing with the pain or like you said, has the, oh, yeah. the potential to, to re-injure it. Yeah. So the only player that, that has truly suffered a, a posterior dislocation that, that I'm aware of is Denny Amendola. Previously on the way back on the Rams, I think this is 2012 when he, when he did that. Um, And as far as I know, he hasn't had any issues with it. I don't know if he had surgery on it at that time or whatnot, but uh, there have been several players that have had uh, a sprain there, which is very painful, but not a dislocation. Um, There's been an anterior dislocation. I don't remember who that was, but um, that is a little bit different because that's a little safer. Posterior dislocation is legitimately very serious. I'm I'm kind of curious at how how they approach the medical legal perspective. Um, I know they want him on the field, but if this guy yeah. takes another hit, it pops out, it lacerates one of these major uh, blood vessels, and he bleeds out on the field and dies. Mm-hmm. That is a lawsuit like you've never heard about. Yeah. So like that that's what you could, you could potentially think about here. We don't usually think about that dire stuff. But th- that can happen with this type of injury, so um, that's why I'm I'm really uh, kind of going out of my way to uh, tell people how bad of an injury this truly is. Yeah, and it's almost it sounds almost as if it not necessarily would have been better that he needed surgery, but that if he did get surgery, they could have put some additional measures in place to help solidify it a little bit better, help it heal a little bit better, possibly. Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with you there because then at least you have that medical uh, the the the, the medical and, and, you know, metal reinforcements were as opposed to just uh, hoping the scar tissue is sufficient. Um, and it may be, and it may not be. Um, and and he may, he just may not be able to tolerate the pain and he may, they may have to go in and, and, and actually medically reinforce it. So it remains to be seen in a couple of weeks, whether or not he can actually come back, he may not be able to tolerate the pain and they may say, yeah, we need to go in and reinforce this because, um, he, he's not making any progress. Yeah. So this I point, own Tyreek Hill. I'm sell, 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 sell. Uh, yeah. Give me Nicole Hardman. Uh, give me Sammy Watkins until he gets injured. Um, 
but Hardman is probably the guy to own. He was on the field a ton of snaps. He really didn't get any looks, I think, one target. Um, but um, he is a speed demon, and he will definitely make a difference when he's on the field. So uh, so moving again to, to a little bit less concern. So the Patrick Mahomes, um, any cause for concern with the injury to his ankle? Um, I ankle. I saw his knee buckle a little bit on the meat on the inner aspect, not overly concerned. Um, he was able to pretty much play the rest of the game. He, sh- he needed to continue playing. Cause if not, it's going to swell up like a balloon. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's hobbled a little bit this week, but, um, I, th- I think he got lucky. He may have a mild, uh, MCL sprain on the inside of his knee, uh, but that shouldn't really affect him. He's clearly the number one. Yeah. Um, uh, we thought that maybe Watson could overtake it, but looking at him tonight, he, he's not going to be able to, uh, he's just, uh, Mahomes is legit. Number one, even without Tyreek. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we all saw that with, with, uh, Watkins stepping up and then just the, all the weapons they have, um, with the new guys they added and yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, quarterback one going to this week and next week and probably for the foreseeable future. So good to know it's not not too much of a of a worry with with Mahomes. Um another running back that or a running back that, you know, again with the ankle uh was uh, Joe Mixon. So I think I saw a report that they did the MRI and and nothing major, but um I haven't seen any updates on that. Yeah, uh this looked like a classic lateral ankle simple quote unquote normal ankle sprain. Um there could have been a lot of options, but uh, the good news is that uh, this is, is is mild. There's about a 50-50 chance he could go this uh, upcoming week. The conservative uh, physician in me wants to say hold off for another week or two to get him back. The aggressive wants to say you need him now. They just pay uh, you know, Bernard you know, a, a big, pretty big salary to be a backup. So um, I don't know if they lessen his workload. I mean, before Mason's injury, he was showing bell cow uh, tendencies. Um, I, I think if I don't, I'm not overly concerned about this ankle, but I think they should be smart about it because you don't want to come back too soon, roll it even worse, and now you're dealing with a three, four, five, six week injury. Um, these guys need to be smart, and you need your ankle in order to run. Um, you just, especially what these guys are trying to do. So, um, they really need to be smart and see if that thing is responding like they want it to. If it's swelling up every day, if he's having pain, if he's got a lot of tenderness, um, then for a week or two, rather than have this linger all year and lose him like you did last year for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we're going to have to, again, watch this one and see, see what the, the team decides to do with, with his, uh, rehab and his recovery. Oh Yeah. We'll know more as the week goes on and if he's practicing and I, I'd say by he's probably going to be a game dive decision but I'd say by Friday we'll have a better idea cool all right so another uh so a receiver that I think we all have have had very high hopes for going into this year uh and definitely got shut down on uh on Sunday night by by the Patriots but that's kind of what they do they shut down the number one receiver and uh, that's Juju Smith-Schuster and, and, and you know, seeing a report of uh, his toe. Uh, but again, uh, I believe it was just x-rays and toe looked fine. But is this something that could be possibly turf toe? Potentially. Uh, you'll need an MRI for that along with exam. These can be very annoying, very painful. Turf toe is essentially where you jam your toe into, i.e. turf, um, hyperextending the big toe. 
which uh, causes a lot of pain, a lot of tenderness, a lot of immobility. Uh, it leads to uh, the, the the big toe is essentially the bone center of the foot. So if your big toe isn't right, then you just are miserable with it. This is essentially what AJ Green had last year. It re-injured it, and then that's what he had surgery on. So as you can see, this is uh, can be a big deal. Um, I don't think it's a big deal, but um, concern, and I'm high on Juju, is that uh, with no one uh, like Antonio Brown mm-hmm. kind of garnering the attention, can can Juju step up, um, yeah. or are they just gonna, are they going to do what you know Gilmore did last night and shut uh, basically shut him down? Big Ben didn't really want anything to do with him, so then they had to throw to Moncrief, who kept dropping the ball, Washington, who didn't really do anything. Uh, so now you're just talking about you know uh, tight end and Connor is is kind of your other two options. So it remains to be seen if if this is actually a big deal and Antonio Brown being gone actually is a larger deal than they thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like a couple of those passes, those deep balls uh, were intended for someone that just had a little bit higher gear to get there like Antonio Brown. So I think, <clears throat> I think big Ben needs to adjust a little bit too uh, on, on where he's throwing the ball because it's not the same caliber of guy catching the balls uh, as was used to be there before. Yeah, definitely. And so you already mentioned him, but I think that's a good segue to, to get into to a little bit of an older injury and maybe uh, someone that people might have forgotten about or traded away, and that's A.J. Green. And so I think when the reports initially came out, uh, they were looking at possibly uh, week three or four uh, to return. Uh, do you think it's still looking likely for even a week two return possibly? No, definitely not week two. Um, the last I saw, he wasn't even out of his boot and off of his – uh, wheeled scooter yet so at, when at that point um, I'm not feeling very good that he's coming back in week three if he sheds the boot this week um, and, and is able to wait there uh, then maybe week three is a possibility but the longer he continues to to be non-way bearing the farther out he's going to be and this is why I told everybody you got to avoid AJ Green because uh, we don't know how long it's going to take him to get back and then he's at high risk for re-injury uh, whether it's, the, you know, because this is the other foot now. Remember, new injury on the opposite foot. Um, so he doesn't really have a good foot to stand on, uh, literally. Wow. Um, so <laughs> I, I want to, I, 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 we saw a red rocket and what he could do yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, lo- I like Adrian Green's potential. I'm just concerned with these injuries. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one of those guys, like everyone keeps talking about, everyone keeps talking about. And there's a lot of people in the fantasy community that just want to hope he's past it, you know, and, and, and that. You know, you're, you're injury prone until you're not. And hopefully this is the year that he's not. But I think we've already seen that he <laughs> just, you know, go right on doing what AJ Green does and that's get hurt with his feet. So, you know, we wish him a speedy recovery and hopefully he's back on the field. Uh, he's a great talent. Uh, we just, you know, need to not need him to not be hurt. So in the meantime, we got Tyler Boyd and and maybe John Ross stepping up. So that'll be interesting to see, um, you know, in Cincinnati. So, yeah, you know, with, with two guys, two of their main guys hurt, you know, hopefully Joe Mason comes back. Uh, with no reason, Adrian finally comes back that he's back to 100%. So, so yeah, this was great. This is all really good information. Thank you so much, Dr. Jesse Morris, for for coming on the show, um, for giving us all these great details. Um, you know, we'll definitely be monitoring most of these situations to see how they play out, and, and hopefully, uh, some of these longer term injuries, these IR uh, injuries, aren't you know taking them out for the whole year and and they're back just in time to help keep people get the last minute push to uh to playoffs but you know before we let you go uh can you remind everyone where where we can find your work on on twitter and, and the internet 
Sure. So uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, it's uh, D-R-J-E-S-S-E-M-O-R-S-E uh, as my Twitter handle. Um, the Fantasy Doctors is the Fantasy D-R-S uh, on either on Instagram or Twitter, predominantly on Twitter, but we do both. Um, our website is fantasydoctors.com. If you want some higher level stuff uh, like in-depth analysis, uh, and asking me one-on-one questions, uh, providing you know injury reports like I just briefly discussed, but much more in-depth, uh, we have a, a Patreon site. Um, that uh, you can find on our Twitter feeds. And I'm on, um, I mean, we release the Fantasy Doctors uh, podcast uh, usually either Wednesdays or Thursdays during the w- the year weekly uh, that we discuss every player in depth. Uh, me and another physician describe that. Um, and then uh, I'm on a couple other podcasts, uh, Nick Big Dog, and then the, the Pat Mayo show on Friday. So tons of constant injury analysis. I do live stream sometimes on Sunday morning. So uh, if you have questions about injury analysis, check out our YouTube page uh, and, and, and uh, there's a good chance uh, they'll be discussed. Awesome. Yeah. For all you listeners out there, go and follow Dr. Jesse Morris on Twitter, subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Fancy doctors, they put out great information. You don't want to miss the, what they have to offer. Super approachable. Great uh, follows on Twitter. And and yeah, thanks again for stopping by. You're welcome. Take care. All right, Tommy, that was a great segment. want to thank Dr. Jesse Morris for coming on the pod. Really appreciate all his insight in these week one injuries. Um, and now back by popular demand, Super Friends League Talk. The Super Friends League. All right, guys, we're going to start this week with our blazing predictions give you a quick recap of the matchups and then we'll go ahead and pick them blazing predictions so let's start off with the first one this week we got number eight mexicans versus the number nine expendables Uh, yeah i'll jump in um right away uh i really like mahomes against the the oakland raiders especially with abrams going down that's what uh the expendables have and i love picking against steve so i'm gonna go with the expendables Tommy, who you got? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Mexicans on this one. Um, I actually think Baker and Michael Thomas are going to have really nice games. I think Baker's going to have a nice bounce back game uh, this week. And, you know, looking at like just on projections, you know, the worst guys on on, on Mexicans roster, uh, you know, so far just are Austin Hooper and Sony Michelle. You know, so we talked about Sony Michelle. Um, you know, against Miami, which I, I think he'll get at least, you know, one touchdown this week and do a lot better. And and on the expendable side, you know, I, I just don't know how much volume David Montgomery is going to get in week two. So if that's, you know, who he's rolling out with, with his running back two, um, not to say anything against David Montgomery, just I'm not sure how well it's going to be in week two. Yeah, and just a quick free nugget for uh, Art. Uh, maybe trade one of your receivers and get like an RB2, like a Philip Lindsay or Tariq Cohen. Because I know people would be interested in uh, Jameis Crowder, Pettis, uh, guys like that. And you even have uh, Tyler Boyd you could trade out. So maybe think about doing that. Steve? Uh, I'm going to pick myself because I always win. So <laughs> except, <laughs> except for last week. All right, guys. The next matchup we got is number four, Arm Rodri versus number five. I said Watson. All right, I'll pick this one first because I said Watson is our, our boy Dominic's team, so he can't really pick himself first. Um, but in this one, looking at the matchup and and who each team has, I, I, I'm i going to go with I said Watson. I, I think uh, Deshaun Watson's in a nice matchup against Jacksonville. And 
Uh, looking at you know the weak link on his team right now, you know might be Todd Gurley, which is really surprising. But you know if that's it's, that's possibly the worst player in your team, or at least the most most questionable one, then that's a good problem to have. And so yeah, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I said Watson. Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, I said Watson only because I see that Arm Rodgery is starting three Patriots: Tom Brady, uh, Josh Gordon, and Antonio Brown. Um, free nugget, maybe not play so many players from the same team. Free nuggets. Now I know what he's thinking. He's like, "Oh, it's Miami. They're going to blow them out." But what happens if it's like twenty-one-zero in the first quarter? They're going to start running the ball, and they may not be throwing the ball very much. So, um, because of that, I'm going to go with. Uh, I said Watson. I also feel like, um, you know, I think Todd Gurley has kind of a bounce back game this week. I know he's been hearing the criticism, so I think he might have a good one. And I love Chris Carson this year. He is just a beast, man. I love how he's running. So I'm going with Dominic. Yeah, I'm going to pick against myself because Aaron <laughs> always freaking beats me. And then he's like the worst person to lose for him because <laughs> when he's winning, he doesn't talk crap. He only talks crap when he's losing. And so you don't, you don't get that back and forth. So I'm just going to pick him. Uh, I think he does switch out, you know, one of those guys. And they are playing the Dolphins. All I can hope for, like I said earlier in the pod, is Sony Michelle runs all the touchdowns in. Go Sony! Hey, free nugget to to Dom. Are, are you worried about Devontae Adams at all? Because we were just talking about it. And would you think about uh, putting someone else in? No, it's exactly what Steve said. Like his my number one guy, and I I just can't bench him for. Got to roll a, with him. A, a waiver guy, right? Right at this point, if Cortland Sutton wasn't playing Chicago, maybe that's how high yeah. I am on him. But no, I can't. Nah, you wouldn't. All right, guys. Next matchup we have is Jeebus the Great uh, at 10th place right now against Gruden's Heroes, number seven. Well, as the only undefeated podcast host, I'll go first. Um, Sweet like one. It might be the only time I'm, I'm in first place. Anyway, it is going to be the only I got, time. Okay. I'm going with uh, Gruden's Heroes. I think he has one of the most consistent teams, especially with Josh Jacobs looking the way he did. Pairing that with Christian McCaffrey, if if you could do that, Tommy, all year, you're going to be a happy man. Uh, only thing I would say is I never like to start two skill players from the same team, and you have Tyrell Williams as well. If you want to make a trade, hit me up. But uh, I got Gruden's Heroes on this one. Steve? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Gruden's Heroes as well. Um, I like uh, CMC is the real deal. I like Jacobs. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a opposed of playing uh, Tyrell Williams and Josh Jacobs only because Josh Jacobs is a receiving running back, and I feel like they're going to need to score a lot of points, so they may be throwing the ball quite a bit. So I understand definitely why he's doing that. Um, and then on the other side, I just don't like Freeman against Philadelphia and then Calvin Ridley. You know, that's a lot of two Falcons on the same team. I, you know, I just don't like it. And Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, he didn't look that good to me as a number one. So we'll we'll see if he has a bounce-back game against Seattle. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers against Minnesota. That's a tough, tough matchup. So, um, and he has Aaron Jones. Jeez. Uh, uh, that's going to be, yeah, Gruden Heroes all the way. Easy win. Hey, hey Tommy, before you pick yourself, a um, couple questions. You, you think – Seattle's defense is going to have a good performance against Pittsburgh. I saw you pick them up after I dropped them. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think they're again their their box, their front seven will have a good day, and I think they'll get some sacks and and I think they'll put some pressure on uh, on Pittsburgh's passing and run game. You know, so I'm a little worried about James Conner a little bit, 
but but that that defense is secondary, you know. So I think if they if if the Pittsburghs if the Steelers can really dial it in this week in practice and Ben can make those throws that he was missing last week, then yeah, I think Seattle's actually not going to do that great. Um, and so I actually have a waiver in to pick up someone else on for my defense. So even though I just picked up Seattle, I'm about to drop him for someone else. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on now to uh, the next matchup. Uh, number two, stand-up Colin versus Noble Savages, which is number six right now. Oh, that's a that's a rough matchup now. I mean, it's just projected points, and for some reason, stand-up Colin doesn't have his tight end in there. I think he, well, Hunter Henry's out, but maybe he's hoping to slate like Zach Ertz in there for some reason. I don't know. Um, but Noble Savages uh, projected to have a really good week with with Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Jackson and Zeke. And so, you know, we're all wondering, like, dang, did, did Vince pick another another winning team? Because he's the reigning SFL champ right now. So uh, I'm definitely going to go with Noble Savages this week. And, and you know, I think uh, Kelsey missed out on some points last week, and it is looking good for Kelsey. But I don't think Kelsey's going to have as good of a game as he's hoping to have. Yeah, he's projected for 20 points. Yeah, he's not going to get that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with a stand-up calling on this one. I like the matchup uh, with Amari Cooper. He played lights out. I like Marlon Mack, um, and I think James Conner has a bounce-back game. Um, same thing with Jared Goff. He was pretty terrible last week. I think it might be a shootout. I'm hoping it's a shootout, um, which is the Rams and, and the New Orleans because I have uh, Michael Thomas. So uh, I'll go with stand-up calling. Yeah, I'm going to go with Vince on this one just because he's the returning champ and he doesn't – Suit him well to go zero and two as far as making the playoffs again. Not a total panic, but I also um, like Chicago's defense against Denver a lot. I think uh, they make him look even more silly than the the Raiders did. So I'm taking Vince in this one. All right, guys. Last matchup uh, is first place time to eat versus the third place the Godfather. Yeah, this is a good matchup already uh, in yep. week two. Um, both projected for, I think, the highest point total. Yeah, highest point total in the league right now. And so, so yeah, looking at it, I mean, uh, yeah, actually, to be honest, I'm going to pick uh, time to eat on this one easily because Joe Mixon is on the Godfather's starting roster right now, and he's definitely questionable for this week. He will be day-to-day, but even if he does come back from an ankle injury, uh, if it's just a sprain, I, I don't think he's going to be at 100%. So I don't think that's a great matchup. And actually, uh, Evan Ingram going against Buffalo uh, might not be as good as it was last week. And and looking back at time to eat's roster, you know, we've talked about Odell uh, and, and the Browns maybe having a bounce back week, and then gone on about Eckler. And so, yeah, he's got a good he's got a good lineup. So I'm gonna go with time to eat. I'm gonna go time to eat as well. And uh, free nugget for you, time to eat. I would uh, possibly. Sit Odell Beckham Jr. again, not joking, and start Alshon Jeffrey over him. But I know you're not going to do it. But the reason I'm picking him is because um, I traded, tried to trade Jeff um, Bernard, Giovanni Bernard, for Singletary straight up because he has Mixon. I'm trying to bail him out this week, and he denied it with no counter. So I, I tried to help you out, Jeff. I know Singletary is a running back on the rise, but are you going to start him until he proves himself after six weeks? So there's my little rant and uh, picking Matt because of it. Yeah, I like time to eat too. I mean, I, I like the Godfather uh, um, matchup a lot. Uh, the only um, see the Godfather's lineup this week, 
But uh, Time to Eat, man, just has a killer lineup right now um, with Odell, Edelman, a good matchup, Eckler. You know, even Delaney Walker played well, T.Y. You know, it's just the only thing I'd free nugget probably maybe consider. I know uh, he's speaking Kansas City versus Oakland, but I think Oakland will be scoring some points because it may be a little bit of a shootout and may affect them. You know, let's say it gets out of hand, which I'm hoping it doesn't. But, you know, they could you can lose some points to some garbage time, too. So. Um, that's the only thing I would do. Free nuggets. Yeah, Kansas City is projected for a lot, but to be honest, I mean, regardless of the matchup, and I, I get it's probably based on the matchup, but their defense isn't that good, and it hasn't no, historically been good. that good. Yeah, so right. uh, I, he's got the Rams on his bench, and I think that's probably what he's thinking. Is he? Yeah, doesn't, doesn't want to start the Rams going against the Saints, and I get that, you know. But there's there's other defenses out there you could definitely could stream for this week, and I don't think yep. anyone else is going to pick up Kansas City after he drops them. Exactly. All right, guys, that does it for today's show. Um, if you like what you're listening to, uh, please uh, rate and review it, the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and the nine other platforms you can subscribe and download the podcast. Those ratings and reviews go a long way. Um, send us a DM of your rating, and we'll send you some swag. Um, and if you're listening on the Anchor app, please leave any comments or questions through Anchor message uh, messages. And you can always hit up the voicemail line during the week or tweet us as a two-on-one FFB podcast. And you can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at FB Savant 7075. And I'm at TMO52 underscore. And I'm at East Mode 24. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and good luck in week two. With the bomb lighting. Bad boy, good boy.